0: I am Plot on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Hilda Otsby joins me again. She recently uh, published The Key to Creativity, The Science Behind Ideas and How Daydreaming Can Change the World. It's a fascinating look at how we get ideas and how human creativity works. The book begins with Hilda involved in a serious cycling crash. She finds herself, though, bursting with creative energy. It gets her wondering Why? and uh, she examines how physical trauma can affect levels of uh, dopamine in our brains. She looks at memory as well as daydreaming. Boredom also comes into focus as she investigates its usefulness just as we're uh, less and less bored thanks to technology. I'll ask her about grief and whether the myths that uh, mental illness or intoxication contribute to creativity. Hilda Otsby is uh, a novelist and journalist. She first appeared on the program in 2018 when the book she co-authored with her sister sister Ilva Otsby, Adventures in Memory, the Science and Secrets of Remembering and Forgetting, was published. That book, like this new one, is from Greystone Books. She joined me from Oslo, Norway, where she lives, in this uh, conversation that was taped in early June. Please uh, welcome back to the Plant Online Program, Hilde Otsby. Ms. (laughs) Otsby, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining. I guess it's good evening where you are, is that right?
1: Yeah, it's evening.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, you start the book by, by talking about this accident. I guess you were riding your bike. Um, and uh, would, would you just describe to us what was happening? I guess did you, you, you were cycling as you usually do. Is that right?
1: Yeah. And uh, I was cycling along the river that goes through Oslo. Mm. And uh, I was distracted. And then I just crashed into a bridge first. I was I was cycling under I was trying to get under the bridge and mm. it was a very low bridge.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, then I I, uh, I I broke my nose <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: and I really hurt my forehead and um luckily it was the bridge that goes over this river to the emergency room. So I just stumbled into the yeah. emergency room directly from the crash and then uh, they said, oh, you've got a concussion, nothing to worry about. But what happened after was that I, my head, <laughs> my head wouldn't leave me alone. It was mm. like it was ants in there or something. I had so many ideas. It was crawling in there, and I couldn't sit still. And they had asked me specifically to sit still. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: And then uh, after, I got all these other effects of the concussion, that really set me back. Uh, I was, uh, I had a fatigue. I, I got, I still got the tinnitus. Yeah. It's a lot of things with concussion that is underplayed by the health system. But at this, uh, these first weeks, I had a lot of ideas, yeah. and uh, later on, I learned about another guy that uh, also hurt his head. He was in a, uh, he was in a, an accident and hurt his head in the 18th this in America, mm-hmm. and after that, he got a lot of ideas, just like I did, so I, I uh, was very uplifted when I learned this story. Of course, I heard of all the geniuses that lost their ability to create anything after a, mm-hmm. a head injury, like Maurice Ravel that uh, stopped composing after a car accident. Um, but um, this guy he uh, started photographing,
2: yeah.
1: uh, doing photography, and uh, he met a guy called uh, Stanford. The guy, the same guy that created Stanford University. Right. And uh, Stanford said, "I have a problem. I just uh, me and my mates were talking about, um, do the uh, horses lift all their legs up when they, you know?" when they ran yeah. and um and this guy, who is called Edward newbridge <laughs> he said, uh, "I can solve this problem." so he set up a series of cameras along the uh, along the horse uh, the race track r- the race track of the horses, yeah. and he took a picture for every half meter or something,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he put all the pictures together. This was in eighteen seventy two and you know uh, now yeah. know what I'm talking about. This was the first ever movie. And yeah. this is an example of how um, how a non-targeted idea can change the world. Because yeah. Edward Newbridge could never know at this point that his idea would change the world and how we would see the world. But so so that was what happened,
2: right?
0: Yeah. So your, your accident, um, the, you didn't pass out, I guess, as a result of hitting the, the bridge. Um that's a critical detail, I guess, because that that changed how you were diagnosed or categorized. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. But even uh, without passing out, it can really disturb the systems in mm-hmm. the brain. And I right. know a lot of artists that have lost their ability to create or have a lot of difficulties after a concussion. Um, I'm writing specifically in this book about two, two systems, that they can cooperate, and they do it all the time, really, but I, uh, at first I uh, present them as opposites, and the one is the executive function in the brain, yeah. which is um, uh, has to do with our concentration, our direction, to be uh, directed towards uh, learning something in the outside world or solving problems in the outside world, taking in the information, uh, and and thinking about consequences over actions and stuff like that. And when we're very kind of target-oriented, we block out a lot of another system in the brain that I'm also writing about, which is called the default mode network, which is kind of the opposite, where you're in your own inner world, where you're just um, associating freely Jumping from idea to idea, and what's happening in this network is a lot of creative gold. <laughs> yeah. And of course, these systems are kind of always we're jumping between these systems continuously. Like when I tell you about Edward M- Newbridge, when oh. I told you about Edward Newbridge before, you probably kind of um, got some of your memories uh, from you. you you collected some of your memories right. and, and attached yourself to my story to mm-hmm. to to kind of understand it, right? And then you're in that default mode network, which I call the daydream mode in the brain.
0: Yeah, and uh, so, so the, your executive function, though, that, was that affected by the accident?
1: Yes, very much so. Yeah. Uh, it was very difficult to concentrate. It was like I opened a door that shouldn't be opened. Mm. It was like I was Alice in Wonderland, just falling down into that rabbit hole, and I couldn't kind of find my way in a way. It was difficult to concentrate. So when the executive function is very much down, and so I, then you you get access to much more of this default mode network. Mm. It can also happen when you're, you've got a concussion that these two systems kind of, they can't really co- cooperate at all. And then you get really tired <laughs> yeah. and it can affect all parts of your life. And that is um, under um, yeah. How how terrible it can be.
0: Yeah, and you describe a lot of that in the book. Um, a lot of the challenges that you faced uh, after the accident, and then in the in the uh, months and, and even years afterwards, um, in your research, um, you find out that that an accident, or or in this case, physical trauma, um, would result in say um, the uh, it de- destabilizes something in the brain. I guess I'm, I'm wondering, does that affect how much dopamine we we have in our in our heads?
1: I'm not writing too much about the dopamine, uh, so I, I really don't know. And this book is certainly not about the concussion, uh, mostly, it's about uh, creativity and where creativity comes from. Yeah, it's a book about so we got, yeah, it might be, but the most important thing is where those ideas come from. Do we? Are we good enough at taking care of all the gaps in our life? The the stillness, the quiet, Mm. the boredom, the nothingness, the non-targeted time in our life. How good are we at uh, managing that? Because we're extremely good at filling every gap in our calendar with important stuff, very targeted uh, where we are very targeted and efficient and try to be um, better than other people, kind of climb the hierarchy at work, etc., etc. et cetera. And we push this also onto our kids.
0: Yeah. So I, I mean, my we,
1: book, my book, <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry.
0: Yeah, no, well, I was just going to say that you, you talked about boredom a moment ago, um, you know, because we all have phones now. That that um you know eliminate a lot of boredom in our lives um, you, you as you write in the book there's a great deal of usefulness, isn't there, in being bored right
1: yes the, the boredom is uh, something we don't shield enough. we don't let our children uh, be bored
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> because uh, the boredom is the door to this inner world. if you let your child. Bored for, yeah, five, ten minutes. And just uh, if you can stand the child moaning, I'm <laughs> 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 oh, so bored. If you can just stand that for a couple minutes, yeah. that child will suddenly turn into this inner world that I'm describing uh, the default mode network where everything can happen, where you create your own inner world, where you, his research shows that. This is where we consolidate memories, which means uh, it takes a long time to massage a memory into the long term memory. Mm. So we need to go to evening like this, just being in our own thoughts without any direction. That's where we uh, really get a good memory from that. And um, our, mem- our memories are just a kind of building block for our visions of the future that is what the researchers think that is the reason for our, uh, our memory at all
2: yeah
1: so we need to have a good memory or kind of consolidate our memories as building blocks to visions of the future which is creative goal as well and also like an antidepressant we need visions just to have direction in life to feel happy yeah. And um, it's also where we got um, weird ideas, useless ideas like Edward Mugerich idea, which seemed like a useless idea right. to yeah. be honest. I mean, uh, if the horse lifts its uh, its legs, or not uh, yeah? How how useless? Like, how <laughs> useful is it? Yeah. really. But from there, something extremely useful can grow. We never know the value of, of an idea before we have tested it that is something I discovered during my travels through creativity and, yeah. uh, and the history of creativity
0: so so what are you like now in terms of daydreaming do, do, do you um, uh, because we are all so busy do, do you find that that you you make time for it say during your day
1: yeah yeah now after writing this book I learned so much about working creatively and it's important to say that uh, the the creative the uh, the creative mind is a happy mind so it's also about good mental health what is good mental health really what makes us happy Um, because what makes us happy makes us inventive (laughs) and uh, it makes us um, brave and it it opens up for the possibilities of getting lost and doing mistakes. And that is very frowned upon (laughs) in today's society, I think. So I discovered that the idea of um, the melancholy artist tormented by inner demons, um, uh, drinking a lot of alcohol Uh (laughs) and uh, living kind of very freely, and Bohemian, it's it's a lie,
2: basically,
1: yeah. uh, because a lot a lot of the creative work happens when you are very disciplined, when you go to work, when you go home from work.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, but also to make these gaps where you just you're just in peace, and you uh, to me it has these implications that my work schedule um, has room for me taking a walk in the woods mm. and I consider that work yeah. because research shows that when we're walking in the woods or by the sea or uh, are uh, are in nature at all we are more easily going into this default mode network this daydream mode it, it enhances yeah. our introspection so walking through a wood is uh, to me, it's like writing an, a, a book. Yeah. Uh, to write a book is to be very targeted. This is about flow. Because when you're in flow, your executive function and your daydream mode is uh, cooperating. And you're in this happy state where you're both targeted and also able to just jump from association to association and mm. get new ideas in the way and that is really what happens when you go through the woods you have a direction going through the woods but you're happy just changing that direction while you're in the wood and you can also just jump off the path and and smell some raspberries or watch a bird or you have this kind of relaxed yet targeted feeling
0: right yeah that that's the
2: that's
0: Yeah, that's a great <laughs> thing about your book too because it does I mean there's a lot of serious uh uh scientific stuff in the book too, but the way you describe a lot of these things through the stories that you tell. Um it does uh, well you say this in, in halfway through the book that it it's sort of like a, a daydream. Um we're wandering through all this data that you're you're giving us and and uh, we're learning more <laughs> about ourselves. Um you mentioned a moment ago all these myths that that, that um uh, you mentioned uh, uh drinking and and, and uh, drugs and um alcohol especially it, 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 a lot of people think that that um using those things um and, and you know there 's a lot of examples in in in, in writing especially um mm-hmm. where that is uh say helpful in the creative process and, and you found that that's not true you also found that say um uh, van Gogh is always cited as an example of of say um being creative through his mental illness th- 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 that yeah. that's that's a that's a very rare exception isn't it
1: yeah and um it's a sad story really
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's to me it just yeah just okay to take another example is um because it's a writer i really love it's uh Bukowski. Mm-hmm. Charles Bukowski was a heavy drinker. And uh, a genius writer. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that he would have produced so many more books without the drinking.
2: Right. <laughs> uh,
1: and when you read his life story, it's not weird that he was a heavy drinker. He had um, some real traumas to uh, process oh. through his uh, adult life. So all research shows that alcohol is just decreasing your creativity or to be more specific if you drink one glass of wine your, your executive function will go down of course, right. that is what happens when you drink so you will get more access to um, free thinking and huh. daydreaming but uh, the research I looked into showed that the faster you get into the daydream mode after a glass of wine or the faster executive function goes down after a glass of wine, the faster you will become an alcoholic. So um, and then you will not produce that is a lot of research done on that. It's very kind of unclear about drugs. It's not that many (laughs) good studies done on drugs. Uh I I think to me I know some people can find it useful to do some drugs that are out there, like uh, LSD, right. they're having tests with LSD and other drugs as well, MDMA and stuff. But, uh, well, what I know about <laughs> legal psychopharmaka mm-hmm. is that even those are kind of risky. You don't really know what you're doing with your brain. Right. So uh, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I yeah. I feel too scared about my head now after yeah. knowing how horrible it can be to feel trapped inside your own dysfunctional head. As yeah. I was, then I wouldn't risk it.
0: Um in terms of um uh, writing the book itself because because you, you uh, talk about that in the book about how um it, it really started i guess your friend Vera um Michaelson um she was she was a good friend of yours and 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 someone who um had encouraged you to write uh it was it was after her death is is that right that that you you started writing this book
1: yes so i i um i experienced the concussion and all these ideas <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
1: and this uh everything that happened with the concussion but what really set the book off was uh when Vera died so I think when I started writing the book, I thought it would be easy to write about creativity. Yes, I know. It sounds silly now uh-huh. <laughs> to think that that something as big would be easy to write about. And also, I think I, I thought I had it under control somehow that I it should be some elements, um, a chapter about the daydream mode, a chapter about ideas, uh-huh. a certain aha moment a chapter about the inner critic but the more I wrote the more it became clear to me that there was something else behind everything and that was my friend's Death and I loved her so much and when she died I had to be creative and that is what Death does to us or all kinds of drama or all kinds of life-changing experiences they are forcing you to to rewrite your life and it's not only good, and it's not necessarily something that will be productive or be too, to experience a, too big of a trauma will just take away every ability you have to be creative. Like if you have very heavy PTSD, it will just invade all the, all aspects of your life. But um, someone dying ha- will most often set off a new new way of thinking
2: uh-huh.
1: and you have to because your life has, has really changed so you, you cannot not change with yeah. that so think of all the books and all the creative work that has come out of um, uh, sudden death yeah like uh, Carlo um Neusko's uh, books uh, starts with his dad dying Um and, uh, well, uh, Dante experienced that uh, the love of his life. Beatrice died. She was 35 years old. And he wrote uh, uh, The Divine Comedy, <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: or uh, The Odyssey, and uh, Iliad, uh, which is written after a big war, where everything is turned upside down for everyone involved, and a lot of them have, have gone through losing. Someone you love. So losing someone or yeah, someone you love will change you in so many ways.
0: And you described that in the book about um, what, what she meant to you and, and how um, a lot of this book came together. Um, it, 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 I'd like to, to think about just the future for a moment here because when we talked about boredom and daydreaming earlier, um, it reminded me of something that you write in the book about how um, in schools today, and it doesn't matter where you are in the world, um, I'm sure it's the same in, in, in Canada as it is in Norway, um, schools don't do enough to encourage the sort of creativity and curiosity. Um, hmm. Why do you think that is?
1: I think uh, we are too focused on our children succeeding. Hmm. And we are not trusting their creative, wonderful brains. So, I I am surprised now, after everything I learned about brain science and how important it is for us to just be in our own heads for a while, that we are stimulating our children too much, that we're asking too much of them all the time, and um, that they are presented for the idea of um su- succeeding is the only way forward for them it's succeeding or you will not have anything it's kind of either or mm-hmm. scenarios also i'm very surprised that parents are giving smartphones and ipads to their children i think it's just uh, i think it's crazy <laughs> i have to say <laughs> yeah, yeah. because These devices take away that lone time that that child needs to consolidate memories. And children learn so much more than adults do Mm
2: -hmm. every
1: day. And they need to create visions, so many more visions than adults do. And they need to understand themselves and how they, their place in our world to find their own inner voice. To have all these crazy ideas that might be something beautiful in the future, I think that we're, we're just, uh, we don't trust them enough. Yeah. I don't think we trust the children enough and their amazing heads. Also, it's um, a major concern rising among psychologists and experts on children like Bruce Perry are very concerned about children's ability to see themselves and others, right, mentalization, Uh and they are also losing the ability to to read faces and to connect (laughs) face to face, and uh, this is a rising concern, and uh, because I wrote this uh, other book after, the creativity book, and it's about loneliness, Uh and it's a big rise in loneliness among children, and... The only changing factor that happened during the period where all this luminance is, is uh, coming into the youth uh, is uh, smartphones mm. and uh, the internet. And um, research uh, is very ambiguous on the thing with social media but. It increases loneliness. A lot of studies shows, and it increases uh, mental illness. Anxiety, depression levels are going up. It's a big meta meta uh, study from Canada, actually, Uh uh, collecting uh, uh, collecting research from thirty six other studies that showed a clear was a clear connection between the increase in in social media and internet use and anxiety depression levels in young yeah. and uh, as you know now <laughs> that uh, uh, mental uh, good mental health and creative work is very connected just to have an idea makes us happy yeah. just to solve a problem makes us happy uh, you can see it on kind of uh, you can see it on scans, brain scans yeah. but We are, and we can see kind of how uh, it has to do with the dopamine production (laughs) in the brain. And also, just to be in flow makes us happy. To be by the sea, to go for a walk in uh, the woods makes us happy, makes us inventive, makes us kind of connected. All of this we need so much, and we take that away from our children. So uh i think we shouldn't we, sh- we should kind of allow children to be uh, a little bit lost and to be alone in their own heads <laughs> yeah. much more that goes
0: for parents as well, not <laughs> yeah, only the school. For 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 adults, yeah. Um, Hilda, what is it like? Because this book, I, I was um, I was looking at the front of the book. It, it came out in in your country about three years ago now. Um, what is it yeah. like to know that it's being read outside of your your own country, around the world? Say, uh,
1: yeah, no, that's uh, wonderful. Um, this is um, book not. Specifically for a Norwegian audience. Mm-hmm. It's for everyone. I chose to to tell a story about creativity and my journey into crea- the creative field um, through Alice in Wonderland. So I'm using Alice in Wonderland as my guiding star.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we're all Alice. Um, the, the sudden aha moments is like, uh, the cheshire cat, <laughs> uh, the mad hatter is obviously very important for all, all the weird ideas we need to yeah. have. The inner critic is the, the queen of hearts. Yeah. Screaming off with their heads. Uh, so I, I did that because it's a, a story known all over the world. It's one of the most uh, widespread uh, children's books ever, yeah. and um, um, yeah, I want everyone to know these things because it's in the end it's about our happiness and yeah. our future, of course. Because in the end, I write about the climate crisis, and we need to we need to solve a lot of very. Uh, scary problems right now Mm -hmm. and we need to solve them the opposite way of what we're thinking because if we're stressed and scared and too target oriented we will not be able to solve all these problems in a long term creative way so what I'm describing is how, how we might find a way through climate crisis not through screaming mm-hmm. danger, but uh, through being non-directive, getting lost, <laughs> doing the opposite of what we want really. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a marvelous book. Um, I, I so appreciate your time today, Hilde. Continue good Thank luck you. with the book, and and uh, I guess it, it, it's uh, morning where I am, but it's uh, evening where you are. So good night, Hilde.
1: <laughs> good morning. <laughs> Thank you.
0: The book is called The Key to Creativity, the Science Behind Ideas and How Daydreaming Can Change the World. It's published by Greystone Books. Its author Hilda Otsby joined me on the line from Oslo in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Plata.